On this Friday installment of Locked On Texans, you know we got our guy, Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 16 to get his thoughts on the Houston Texans two-game winning streak. And, of course, we want to hear from you, the listeners. But first... Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to a Friday episode of the Locked On Texans podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And don't you forget it. I'm John Hickman. Of course, I'm joined by my boy, Cody Davis. Super excited for today's episode. As Cody alluded to, we already already we will be discussing the Texans with Brandon K. Scott. However, before we dive into that conversation, Cody, Andre Johnson, one of the 15 finalists for the 2022 Hall of Fame uh, induction. I didn't think that he'd make the cut. I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I was wishing for him, but I didn't think that he would because of <laughs> politics. However, I'm super excited for the opportunity for the Texans to have their first Hall of Famer official NFL Hall of Famer. And if I could wrap up one word to describe Andre Johnson and his time in Houston with playing with David Carr, playing with Matt Schaub, the good and bad years, playing with some of those other quarterbacks like Sage Rosenfield and whoever else Houston brought in. I think Tony Banks played a couple of games for Houston. You may know him for them Saints, right, Cody? But the amount of different quarterbacks that were underwhelming, or the amount of quarterbacks that maybe overachieved for one season, never quite the same consistently production as Andre Johnson. But he went out there and produced, and Andre Johnson had this thing about him where even when Houston was bad, and I like how they are now, but when Houston was bad and everything, the only thing that mattered was on the field, Andre Johnson was still able to get people to come out and watch the Texans play. That's how dominated he was. And if I can wrap up his career – in one word, it'll be greatness. It'll be greatness because to face the odds that he did as a receiver for so long and still be able to put up great numbers, games like the, the Washington football team game, uh, games like the Jacksonville Jaguar game, games where, you know, Corey Finnegan, I'm sorry I have to show you what it is <laughs> and what it ain't going to be. That's what that, I think that's the greatest moment that people remember him by. Like when you talk to a Houston fans, people that stay in Houston, not everybody else, but the city of Houston, they will bring that moment up every time. And I saw that the, he was inducted on Twitter. And if you go through that thread, I forgot what page. It may have been the NFL page. If you go through that thread, that gif <laughs> is everywhere. Just him taking off the helmet and hitting, right? It's over and over again. But I will wrap his career up by saying greatness with one word. And if I could add another word, it'll, it would be underappreciated greatness. Hmm. That dude was dominating, man. From Sunday, Monday, or Thursday night, he always gave it his all. The solid killer, Andre Johnson, and I'm happy for him. Congratulations. Yes, sir. You know the best part I love about that fight? The fact that, one, he didn't get suspended, and two, he went to the Rockets game after (laughs) that. That, that, So that that, that was the best part to me about that fight. But look, John, uh, I'm not surprised that 
um johnson got this far like i said 15 finalists however he needs to be one of eight in order to be officially inducted into the pro football hall of fame and i do want to mention on february 10th that is when they're going to announce the full class of 2022 and he needs i think a total of 80 votes and he already has one because one of if not the greatest sports reporter that ever came through the city of houston mr john mcclain who has covered the houston texans since 2002 and who has covered also the houston Oilers since i think 1970 he told me i don't know that's how that's how long he's been around here covering the nfl in the city of houston he is of course a part of the committee and i already know he's going to give andre johnson a vote to make sure he has his place in canton ohio um i believe the induction will be um in if not july i think august, if august I'm not mistaken. The, uh, i think it's august. the hall of fame game for the hall of fame game yes sir so you know shout out to andre johnson and like i keep mentioning every time we talk about andre johnson the fact that he's 11th all time in nfl wow. history amongst receivers for most reception yards he's up there i believe top 20 top 15 for most receptions in general the fact that he was able to establish himself as one of the greatest wide receivers in nfl history without playing with another hall of fame quarterback hell without playing without a pro bowl quarterback that lets you know how great that man is shout out to andre johnson one of the best not just texans of all time but one of the greatest Houston sports figures of all time. Absolutely. When you look at this list, Matt Leiner, TJ Yates, Matt Shaw, of course, Sage Rosenfeld, David Carr, Tony Banks, Dave Ragon. When you look at this list, Case Keenum, you look at that list, man, and you you sit back and say, man, how did he do all of that? How did he do it? But every Sunday or Monday or Thursday, man, he went out there and gave his team uh, a, a reason to compete. And I will say this just really quick. The Hall of Fame game is one of the worst features the NFL has. I hope they get away with it. There's no reason why that game should be played. Use that night to dedicate it to the, the, the players, the men, the coaches who dedicated their lives to this game. Now, we don't need to see nobody play football. I, I don't, right? I do want to transition over to a current Texan receiver, Brandon Cooks, who's another receiver in the last two years, who's had to go through a lot of chaos with this organization, uh, maybe more so this year when we look at <clears throat> when we look at the amount of uh, the amount of players at quarterback, when we look at two quarterbacks and the, the ups and downs and everything that's going on with this offense, he's went through a lot. He's a finalist for the 2021 Art Rooney Sportsman, Sports, Sportsmanship Award. So shout out to Brandon Cooks for uh, getting that nomination. And I think he deserves something for the amount of uh i'm sure it's been a stressful year for brandon cooks right want to go over to the comments before we move on and talk football with brandon scott looking on youtube and uh my boy m he's uh, easy mb one of his comments was watching my mama be dumbfounded at how well they were playing was the highlight of my day this is in regards to uh the game on sunday against the chargers I, you know what e easy mb my boy, your mama wasn't the only one that was dumbfounded. I'm going to tell you that right now. As I was watching that game on COVID IR myself, uh, I, I told you guys earlier, I kind of took a nap at halftime. And when I woke up, I was dumbfounded. I thought the score was mixed. I thought it was flipped around. So you, you and your mother is not the only ones uh, that was dumbfounded. 
Also want to look at Cody. Uh, another one that I thought was interesting. This is in regards to has David Cully done enough to return as head coach for the Houston Texans episode and X Razor. He had a lot to say under the comments, but he did say, I would like for Houston. Uh, I would like to say Houston is some hard fans and very critical. Just a few years back, David Cully was an assistant coach in the Pro Bowl uh, who had Deshaun Watson at that time, right? He has been under Andy Reid as an assistant coach. He's been under just recently John Harbaugh as an assistant head coach. Both of those guys has a lot of respect for him and thought that he would do a great job. He went on to say a lot. I'm not going to say it so I can keep it short, but you know, I think that is something to look forward to, look towards to, just the opportunity of how David Cully may be able to operate in a different space. This year was very chaotic. This year was, you know, you had a quarterback that didn't want to play. You had guys you had to move on from during the season, right? There was a lot of in-season decisions. Zach Cunningham, Charles O'Meara, who before that you traded for Shaq Lawson to get off of Brian uh, Bernard McKinney. He didn't turn out. You got a lot of guys that didn't turn out. A lot of turnover here for Houston, whether that was in the front office with the coaching staff or players. We know how much drama this team had going on this year. So it is unfair to judge him based solely off the first 15, 16 games of the year. Does he get a shot? Who knows? But, Cody, how do you feel about that? The guy mentioned um, his coaching tree and, you know, Harbaugh, Andy Reid, you know, he makes a good point. Yeah, but you still got to take a look at the rally of the situation that he is not those two coaches, you right. know. And I and John, once again, I, I said this earlier in the week when we talked about this. I consider myself one of David Cully's biggest supporters because one, he's a black head coach in the NFL, and two, I do believe that he was dealt a very bad a bad hand to take over as head coach. I mean, I see a lot of people always talking about the bad hand that Steven Silas over, you know, in the downtown of Toyota Center with the Houston Rockets. He was dealt a bad hand, but his hand wasn't as bad as messy as David Cully here with the Houston Texans. I say all that just to say, yes, while he has had a rough first year as a head coach, like I mentioned, it only depends what is the goal for 2022 is going to be, whether or not he should be, still the head coach of the Houston Texans in 2022. Once again, if they feel like they can go out there and compete for that final wild card spot, if they want to take that next step, then I'm sorry, you're probably going to have to move on from him because I do not believe David Cully is the type of coach that can get this team in order to reach their ceiling. However, if you want another year to develop Davis Mills, to, to develop um, Brevin Jordan, you just let the, the windfall column fall where they may, then I would say you, you keep him around for another season. But we had Aaron Wilson on, I believe it was Wednesday. And you guys heard it from Aaron Wilson, a guy who is probably the most entrenched in the Houston Texans in terms of getting all of his in. It seems like David Cully is going to be sticking around for another season. But let's just hope he has at least a better hand to, to, to coach with. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say this, Jalen Johnson, 0339, he said that I agree with Cody. It really depends on what Casario wants to do. If they want to try to jumpstart the rebuild and fight for a playoff spot, you get rid of them. If you want to continue to develop the young guys, you keep them. He also mentioned that I don't think he should come back next year because in order for Mills to at least further develop for 22, uh, they need a head coach that knows what he's doing, preferably an offensive-minded head coach. 
Mm. Uh, a new coach, the players will get for the 2022 draft. We can be competitive, a competitive team next year. I will say this, David is an offensive-minded coach. No, he's but, always but coached too. the offensive side of the ball, and you know he's been an assistant coach on the offensive side for Andy Reid and John Harbaugh. But, I do want to mention, t- to that point, I didn't think about that. It is a pretty good point because I do believe if Davis Mills, if they do believe Davis Mills is the future, let's say, you know, they want to give him like a two, three-year window, you might want to get him with a head coach that he could develop chemistry and relationship with sooner rather than later. Well, I think about that part. and here's here's where I would argue against that for Cully. Well, we have offensive coordinators that's supposed to come in and get that done because your head coach is a head coach. So he's heading offense and defense and special teams. And if we want to put our quarterback in the best position, then we should hire somebody that could focus solely on the quarterback position. The good thing about that is that guy may possibly already be on the roster in Pep Hamilton. And we agree that Tim Kelly can't return. So I think that the offensive coordinator position uh, is more important to refill right now than the head coaching position. That's just my my thought be, uh, on that. However, Brandon K. Scott will be joining us next. Let's talk Texan football. Before we talk to Brandon Scott of 16 Radio, it's the new year, so that means new year resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Bill Bar in your plan. Bill Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Bill Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you will want to continue eating it. And unlike any other protein bar, which can be chalky, waxy, or taste like a chemical spill, Bill Bar is 100% chocolate all day. Bill Bar contains 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 4 grams of protein. Excuse me. Even if you're not a fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good, sweet, and is good for you the way that you will enjoy that delicious Bill Bar. It's going to count as a workout anyways, so you might as well go ahead and dip and dab and get you one. Go to build.com and use promo code uh, locked on 15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuildBar.com. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, with this Friday installment of Locked On Texans. And for the first time in what? About three, maybe four weeks, we got our guy, Mr. Brandon K. Scott. What's up, man? <laughs> yeah, man, it's been too long, man. I hate that. Uh, I hate that we haven't been able to connect in this in this kind of extended period of time. So it's good to finally be back, closing you the know, year out right with the social I was about Friday to say, man, locked we, on. We gotta make sure that we really close the year all right. Next week is the last game, man. We're gonna talk about this game on, <laughs> on Sunday against the 49ers, but we, we gotta have you on next week to close out the year. That's a must. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah, we're running out of time, right? Yeah. <laughs> we looked up and we were talking about training camp, and before we knew it, the season was doggone near right. over. So and in between, but- you know, we were still mad about some people were still mad about Sean Watson, but you know, we got moved on. The year is here. <laughs> The year is here. But, Brandon, you know, I'm actually kind of happy that you took like a three or four week hiatus because at one point it was starting to get repetitive. It was the same stuff. You come on the show, we talk about something stupid David Cully and the coaching staff does. We talk about how bad the offense looks. We talk about how we don't want to see David Johnson no more. It's the same stuff over (laughs) and over. But over the last three weeks, man, 
Things yeah. have really turned around, and now the Houston Texans are sitting with, with, with a two-game win streak. They have a slim possibility to make it three on Sundays, but, Brandon, the biggest change of all has been Davis Mills. Over his last three games, this is a guy who has recorded 794 yards, five touchdowns, and one interception. And you said on Sports Radio 610, I think it was on Wednesday, that you consider him at best like a quality starting quarterback. So with that being I remember said, the tweet. <laughs> Brandon, yeah. Brandon, with that being said, what has been your impressions of Davis Mills and have your opinions about him changed? I, so first off, I want to say that nothing I feel like was more important in this season once it became – abundantly clear and we already suspected this but once it became abundantly clear that the team wasn't going anywhere that the team was about what we it had expected it to be maybe even a little worse at one point for some stretches there during the season at that point watching davis mills's development i thought became the most interesting if not the most important thing about the season Absolutely. and so and so for me, and it's not even a, a, such, such a matter of of prioritizing, prioritizing his development, but prioritizing like your knowledge and understanding of what his development and potential is. I wasn't on board with just putting him in the game just because you were sick of Tyrod Taylor or because you didn't think of yeah, Tyrod Taylor as the guy of the future. I wanted him to legitimately earn the job or for Tyrod Taylor to legitimately lose the job. And I think a little bit of a combination of both happened, more so of Tyrod actually losing it than Davis earning it. But be that as it may, Davis Mills has taken the opportunity and he's shown more than even, I think, the people that supported that pick and even those who thought that Davis Mills was a decent pick, he's shown even more than I think that they anticipated. And I think the best thing that what we've seen or the best, the, the main takeaway I should say, from what we've seen out of Davis Mills is that it's three games in a row of steady progress after the, after a disaster against Indianapolis. You get the 14 straight completions against Seattle. I know they didn't score at the end of that or in the second half to end that game. That wasn't great. But you saw progress from one week to the next. Then these last two weeks in the two-game winning streak against Jacksonville, uh, against against the Chargers, you see a much more seemingly developed quarterback, a much more confident quarterback, and one that just seems to have his feet under him. And so I, I'm pleasantly surprised to see that Davis Mills has performed up to this level. I always thought that he had the potential to be a high-level backup and or plug-and-play kind of starter, not necessarily the franchise quarterback, and I still kind of view him that way. But this is all positive, and this is, to me, much better than getting shut out or losing or arguing about the number one overall pick and, and, and trying to be the best loser. Instead, now you have something that's actually uh, tangibly positive that you can take and evaluate and then go on into the draft and use your top, assuredly top five pick to go add more talent to, to build around Davis Mills and these other pieces that you have. I filter your shade there. And I appreciate it. I, I, we've seen it on Twitter. We've seen it why we went. We've seen it all. And I appreciate it because been on that same boat. There makes no sense for you to be upset at a team that originally pissed you off because they were losing. And now that they're winning a couple of games, you're even more pissed off 
because they're winning and you know make up your mind but i want to transition over to something i think is a little bit more important to talk about and here's a quote i'm going to start this with a quote i'm thrilled that andre is getting the recognition he deserves from the from the day we drafted him in 2023 i'm sorry 2003 throughout his entire career andre was everything we could have asked for in a player in person every week it seemed like opposing defense will focus their game plan around stopping him but he was able to just produce and deliver for us. Andre was, <clears throat> excuse me, Andre was at his best during our biggest moments and electrified our stadium and fan base like every, like very few players have ever. We are excited to continue to celebrate Andre's career and everything he has accomplished. How important is it for Cal McNair to rebuild that relationship with Andre Johnson ahead of the possibility of him becoming the 2022 Hall of Fame candidate? Yeah, I think it's really important. I also don't think it's that difficult to do, given the motivations behind this. Like, everyone has obvious, clear motivations to want to do this. This will be the Texans' first Hall of Fame player. We suspect that they'll have more with time. J.J. Watt will be another no-brainer first ballot Hall of Famer when that time comes. But for now, Andre's the first guy up in this young franchise. You know, and, and I think that they can even still have their differences and men fences enough just to get by with this. But what you don't want, especially as the Texans and really any organization for that matter, like no team, no franchise in the NFL wants to alienate its hall of famers, particularly when that hall of famer is going into the hall of fame, maybe before, maybe after, but in that moment, especially at that time, you want the relationship to be, as good as it possibly can be. And I think that Andre obviously wanted to make a case and wanted to get in, wants to be in a good standing. And and I, don't, I honestly don't know why he wouldn't be, even though he spoke out against the organization. He's someone with intel. He's someone with a voice who does not seek attention and does not make it a, a point or a habit of himself of of talking and, and being opinionated. He's, he's just not that guy. So for that to have been out of character, to begin with, and I'm talking about the tweet earlier in the year where he told Deshaun Watson or said that Deshaun Watson should stick to his guns and essentially said that the Texans were known as a franchise for wasting players' careers and that nothing good had happened with the franchise since Jack Easterby got there. I mean, that's a direct shot at the owner who who is in charge of the franchise that he's talking about that is ruining careers, and it's a direct shot at his guy who he's empowered as the – executive vice president of football operations. So, I mean, this is very clear of what he's saying and what the what the sort of discontent is there. But at the same time, like, you're going to have ceremonies. You're going to have parties. You're going to have, you know, even even more uh, gestures to, to honor Andre Johnson, I'm sure, next season. And, and, again, I think it is important – again, for any franchise, but especially for a team like this one that doesn't have a lot of, let's call it call it credibility behind this name. Andre Johnson is the one piece that it does. Is one of the few pieces that it does have. Brian, then last question before we flip things over and start talking about Sunday's game. What, are, what, what has been your thoughts about the possibility of David Cully coming back in 2022 or not coming back in 2022. That's something John and I have discussed here um, quite often this week on Locked on Texans. And I would like to hear your thoughts about it. Yeah. So uh, it's no secret that 
I am probably along the lines of most who did not fully understand the David Cully hire, and even to this point, don't feel like David Cully has necessarily done anything or shown anything to change our minds, you know, to, to sway you. If, if you were of that school of thought, and I was, if you were of that school of thought, nothing that, that has happened per se has made you say, oh, you know what? I was probably wrong about that. At the same time, I don't know what the expectation was supposed to be or like it, it, if this is your coach, if you are going to go ahead and make this decision, I don't know how much this year has also deviated from what that expectation is. And honestly, I think that everyone else who's a lot, who's been allowed grace and, and a chance and opportunity to grow, it would be a shame if the only guy who wasn't allowed to do that would be David Cully. Like we allowed Davis Mills the benefit of the doubt of being a guy who hadn't had a lot of experience coming in to the NFL. He's a rookie. He's never done it before. Let's watch him grow. All right. Reasonable. So we did that. Nick Casario. We're going to we're going to play the same long play here Do the same long, long play angle of this is his first year. He was handcuffed, cap strapped, didn't have draft equity. The Deshaun Watson situation. Bill O'Brien and Jack used to be leaving him a dumpster fire of a franchise to deal with. And all of that stuff is really valid, but it would be a shame to afford everybody grace, but the one head coach who mm. has only been just doing basically what everybody else is doing is trying to make the most, trying to make lemonade out of the lemons. Look, I don't think that he's the coach of the future. I would not have picked him or predicted him in any facet or any way to have been the higher but it, it would seem a little bit unfair for them to make him sort of the fall guy or be the only one to be held accountable for what this season has been, which I, I would not understand that part. Like, if you're going to fire David Culley, you got to, to me, at least explain everybody else's standing and position uh, with the team, which, which to be fair, I, I'm, I'm essentially saying that I don't think anybody necessarily should be fired. Bet Online has you covered this holiday season with more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before as football continues its march through college football season with the bowl games and the pro football playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all of your sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all of the new and amazing offers available to you. BetOnline is where the game starts. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen. Before we get out of here, we got to talk about Sunday's matchup against the San Francisco 49ers. Before we do that, B. Scott, can I get back on the, uh, the B Block podcast, man? <laughs> oh man, yeah. Come on, man. Both, let's, let's, hey, look, need to be, both of y'all, both of y'all got open invitations. And since I am back, the last couple of weeks I've gotten back to doing it more regularly. My schedule had got really out of whack and out of hand for a little while, and I just didn't have a, a great handle on it, to be honest with you. But mm -hmm. I reprioritized after Thanksgiving. Uh, got back on the grind. Got back to doing them twice a week and regularly. And you guys will, both of you. We'll be in the heavy rotation of guests, of regular guests, uh, because and and honestly, we got a lot to talk about. We're just gonna kind of we're just gonna kind of take 
the Locked On Texans podcast and bring some kind of varia- variation of it whenever y'all come on <laughs> to the B block so we can kind of keep the party going. Because there is, it's about to get really interesting, you know, with yeah. this offseason that, that hmm. Nick Asterios got in front of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that excuses are a lot uh, fewer and far uh, in between in 2022 than they will be the previous year. Mm-hmm. And so, and so it's going to be a lot of put up or shut up next year. And I think they have right now 31 players under contract for next yes. year. That's not even yes. including these one-year deals that the Texans should look for some of these players to bring them back. So uh, Nick Casario will have his hands full in the next you know four to five months, head up into the draft. But let's talk about Sunday. The San Francisco 49ers, they are a hungry team. They still have playoff. Uh, hope they believe that they can make it. Jimmy G will possibly not be playing on Sunday. Uh, they should be getting Elijah Mitchell back, which I hope they do for my fantasy football purposes. I can win $500 if I win on Sunday this week. So I'm hoping that he gets it done and give me what I need my points-wise. But, you know, does the Houston Texans stand a chance if Trey Lance is out there? I think they do. They've given rookie quarterbacks hell this year. Uh, when we look at Mac Jones, when we look at – What's your boy from New York, Zach Wilson, Wilson? Trevor Lawrence, uh, eight sacks, three interceptions, I think four turnovers in general. If Trey Lance is out there, does Houston get their fifth win, which would be one more than last year when they had number four behind uh, Simmons? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm picking them to win it, man. And and I'm going to be honest with you. It's not so much that I believe that they will. I just believe in more so of the possibility and 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 that and and look, last week was a revelation that here is what Davis Mills can be with a run game. Here's what the offense can be with a run game. Now, do I suspect they'll be able to run the ball against the San Francisco 49ers the same way? No, I don't think they'll be able to do that the same way that they did against the Los Angeles Chargers. But my hope is that there is something that they can take away and build off of from, from what they were able to do against the Chargers. And then on top of that, defensively, I like their chances of swaying the game, changing the game. Like, I think this could be – like, it's, it's not going to be the Chargers game, but and, and it's not going to be the Titans game where that was really an anomaly, really fluky. But hmm. I could be, see it being something somewhere in between where the Texans actually play a decent game, which I don't think they really, really did against Tennessee. They just got – they had a a lot of really, really good moments. I think it's a a tie between the Texans play a a more well-rounded game, particularly on offense, and that that defense is opportunistic, forcing some turnovers, maybe even scoring some points with Trey Lance out there, still trying to get his feet wet, still trying to figure things out. I like their chances – in an upset, even though it would still be that an obvious upset. Hmm. Brandon, going into Sunday's game, the Texans over the last two weeks, as we know, two-game win streak, they have an opportunity to win their fifth game of the season, which I would love that, by the way. What has been you know, some of the things you have seen within these within this team over the last two weeks that you that has impressed you outside of the play of Davis Mills? Well, I would say last week it would have been the offensive line. I think mm, that was the, exactly that was the big thing, and I think that's the that's the key here. Uh, you know, the week before, the thing that stood out was Brandon Cooks, but I would say 
The offensive line, Brandon Cooks isn't really a surprise because he's been probably their most consistent performer offensively, maybe even of the last two seasons, but certainly of this season. And, and, and so that doesn't surprise you. But I would point particularly to the offensive line. And I think that while because it's not a big name and so it wasn't a big headline, I think Cole Toner going on the COVID mm. list is, a, is slightly underrated because I'm not saying he's the best left guard that they got or the best guard that they got, but the guard play that he gave you on Sunday, that he gave the Texans on Sunday, was the best guard play that I remember all seeing all season. And so, and that's not to say that he was perfect, but it was really good guard play from the get-go, uh, blocking on the first and second levels. I thought that the offensive line, I didn't know that they had that in them, to be honest with you. And so that they looked be, very doggish. They're not they had yeah. like a little dog in them on Sunday, man. I was I was quite surprised. I'm trying to remember what rookie it is who has some tape out there of pancaking dudes first, second level. And it was just amazing watching. And I thought when I watched it, I thought, man, I haven't seen a single Texans offensive lineman do anything remotely close to this all year. Even when they they block adequately, it's not with this kind of vicious uh, sort of sort of attitude and, and feel toward. And so you had that here. I thought that they played nasty really for the first time since the first Jacksonville game and, and, and even more so than that. So that would be the thing that stood out to me most. Um, I know you asked Cody about aside from Davis Mills, but I do want to go back to him real quick because mm -hmm. the thing that I would point out to that stands out, and I think that this matters and speaks to some of the things that they were able to do Sunday was just his, let's say, recognition, diagnosis, mm -hmm. and then therefore decision-making mm. post-snap. So pre-snap recognition and di diagnosis and obviously the post-snap decision-making uh, from there. I mean, it was highly publicized and discussed. I'm pretty sure you guys hit on this, but highly publicized and discussed how the the 41, 42-yard, whatever it was, the long, the long pass to Chris Conley to end the first half on Sunday was really a run play, but it was also Davis Mills recognizing the way that the corner was playing and the coverage that he had, <clears throat> excuse me, and his – and his confidence that Chris Conley could win that one-on-one -on -one matchup. That's not an, an advised play. That's not probably what they would have wanted him to do with the football, but that's him developing as a quarterback of knowing, hey, this this at this time and this moment is the way to go. This, this is the shot to take. And so that, and that's just one example. I think the, the, the slant to Nico Collins was, was probably another one of him just making the right read, making the right decision, and, and of course, executing the throw. So uh, those are things. And, and the, the throw to Chris Moore um, that he goes and snags out of the air. I don't know if he even attempts that. And if he does, I don't know. Like I don't know if it's intercepted. I, you know, it's it's hard to say with a play like that. But he made plays on Sunday, and I think even so against Jacksonville uh, again, which is another good game from him. Made plays on Sunday that I don't think he was. Um, they're not necessarily capable, but definitely not likely to make earlier in the season when he first started getting those starts. Yeah, I think he's just a little bit more trusted now. And I saw somewhere where Tim Kelly uh, mentioned he's not a puppy anymore. Before we get out of here, what is your score prediction for Sunday's matchup? Score prediction. We're going to go 31-27 Texans. Let's do uh -huh. it. 
Let's do it. Balls they out the there wall. scoring. They out there scoring forty one against the against the. Now look, now look. We know, <laughs> we know, we know. But I feel like if I speak it to the into existence, because this is another thing about me, and I think y'all realize this about me uh, as well. I'm not so in love with my opinion. Like I think I'm confident in my opinion, but I'm not so in love with what I have to say to where I'm above being wrong. Where I'm gonna come back <laughs> on Monday and I'm be like, oh man, I can't believe I got that one wrong. Oh man, my career is over. Nah, I'm I'm okay with being wrong. I want them to. I would like for them to win the game, yeah. but it's not the end of the world if it comes out and the thing that's more expected. If they're not able to, to to keep up with a team that's just flat out much more talented than they are, but I, in any given Sunday is a cliche that's been used, but that I thought really applied whenever Chris Conley got up and spoke, mm-hmm. either post game or Monday, whichever it was. Whenever post game. He got up and spoke and said, "Hey, man, any given Sunday," and he and then was pretty pretty straight up about, "Hey, this is a team probably on paper that's better than us, but you can get beat. You can get beat on any given Sunday if the, if if you know the stars align and the right sort of the right circumstances and the right things happen. I think some of those things are Trey Lance, a rookie quarterback, going up against a savvy defensive coordinator. And and Cody, real quick, to the point, uh, just going back to the question that you just asked me, some of the things that I'm impressed with from the team, aside from the development of Davis Mills, it would have to be the defense and Lovey Smith. And, and let's just apply that to the season entirely. I know they've given up a lot of big plays. I know you could characterize them as a bend but don't break type of defense, but they're true to their identity and what they try to be. Turnovers. Uh, as, far, as far as trying to force turnovers. And I think over the course of the season, that the defense has gotten a lot less vanilla. They started to mix up coverages a little bit more. They started to bring pressure a little bit more. I know that was a frustrating uh, point and, and a point of emphasis early in the season, how they weren't bringing enough uh, pressure beyond their four-man front. They're doing a little bit more of that. Like It's not like it's been just the, you know, the 1990s, your uncles or your father's NFL your uh, Tampa two defense. It hasn't necessarily been that the entire way. So th- that said, I like from what I've seen from the Texans defense in recent weeks, the turnovers, the mixing of coverages, uh, a little bit more creativity. I like their chances against a rookie who is probably the most unproven quarterback in all of the NFL at this point. I will say this, man. I saw somewhere or, or the, I was just going to say, I saw somewhere, I read somewhere where if you look at the entirety of Lovey Smith's coaching career, he's only been a D.C. for a short amount of time compared to being a head coach way longer. And then he was in the college three years, three years right? Okay, then he, and then it, one of those years was the the greatest show on turf defense. It's yep. St. Louis. Yeah, so – I thought he was in a position where he needed to get more acclimated to today's game and 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 get his not some of the rust off, but being only strictly worrying about the defense, not having to be a head coach. And so that I think that's shown as well because he's more comfortable. Thank you guys for checking out today's episode. Make sure you follow us on Locked On Texans on Twitter, like us on Facebook, subscribe, like, and comment on YouTube as well. I'm John underscore Hickman twelve on Twitter. Cody, what you got? It's like a pretty much right. <laughs> and as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter.
at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody C T Y D A V I S underscore 24. B Scott. Trying to figure out what box I look at. Well, which side <laughs> I look at to look at my Brady box. Hey, Brandon K. Scott, y'all hit me up at Brandon K. Scott on Twitter and uh subscribe to the B Block Podcast yes. as well. Anywhere you get it, because if you like this podcast, you will like that one as well. So that's the B Block Podcast on Spotify, Apple, wherever it is you get your podcast. Holla at your boy. Mm. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, have a safe, happy New Year's to all. We Please will see you guys. Please. We will see you guys on Monday in 2022. Peace. You are locked on Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.